I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown. We are 85 days away from the 31st of October when we will be leaving the EU. Come what may, don't mm-hmm. you think it's going quickly? Uh, oh, I... Uh, <laughs> break next week. <laughs> Not this podcast. <laughs> we're hurtling towards the 31st October. And um, we were going to have a, de- a guest, so my introduction's a little uh, sparse, uh, but I am joined by... Oh, excuse me, you do have two guests. Unborn, yeah, <laughs> yeah regulars. Yes, yes. they're very, very high. Oh caliber. my god! Yeah, I've got two not of some most. Lately, absolutely just... not. <laughs> two of my favourite men. I've got the head of news uh, for the Express.co.uk, Paul Baldwin. Hello, hello, and our uh, Europe editor Joe Barnes is also on the line. Uh, Hello. Chaps, we didn't need anyone else. It's always a party when it's us together. Um, So, okay, so we've got elections. (laughs) Just not a Brexit party. They're normally so good on deadlines as well. I don't understand. Uh, We've got elections. Maybe she's got a bus here. Uh, We've got elections. We've got no deal to talk about. We've got the Queen. Um, We've got loads to discuss. So, let's begin. Okay, so we did talk about no deal last week, but it seems to be getting pretty serious, doesn't it? Pretty likely. And we've I've, got a- I've said for since we started, I can see no other, uh, nothing else happening but no deal. I can't yeah. see how that circle could ever be squared on so many levels. And it's, but now it, it looks like it's not just it's not going to be an accidental no deal. It's going to be a, a, a very one. deliberate and measured and. Yeah, preordained or yeah. no deal. So we've yeah we've put two point one billion pounds into the no deal planning war chest, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah. And yesterday, and we've kind of entered into this slightly weird kind of back and forth now with the EU having this kind of weird like tit for tat thing. So yesterday, Michael Gove kind of quite controversially said that he was disappointed the EU won't talk to us, whereas obviously the EU have said they're happy to talk to us, but we've got to. Uh, well, bring something if, feasible to the on table. The, on the front of the Express today, you will see Boris again saying to basically Barnier, but anyone who listen, if you don't want a no deal, you have to come back to the table and the withdrawal agreement has to be looked at again. And he's right. If, if that doesn't happen, there will be a no deal. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't serve, I don't think, anyone's purposes, really. And they're kind of saying, it's not, it's not, open, for a gr- it's not open for discussion. If you want these red lines, the backstop has got to stay. Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be a huge blame game for years and possibly decades, but... Mm. Barnier and the kind of just um, complete uh, reluctance to talk to anyone now. It's like, oh, that's a done deal. We're not coming back to that. It will be largely to blame. I don't, mm. Joe. What do you? Uh, we, yeah. we, we sort of mentioned this last week, but you, you still think there's no chance of anyone coming back to the table, even at the eleventh hour, to say let's extend it a bit, or you know, is the withdrawal I, I, agreement I think, just done? I think no. There, there's, there is always going to be room to compromise, but. It's an argument, and how the EU describe it is the UK has its red lines, which is leaving the single market, customs union, no ECJ, uh, no freedom of movement, etc. But the EU also has its own red lines, which is now not renegotiating the withdrawal agreement. And as I've said, they see it as a compromise hard fought by two sides. So they need both sides to compromise. So they're going, we'll stick with the backstop, but we can work on it as long as you come closer to us. So they're trying to find a middle ground as such. Yeah, I mean, I think if we were being reasonable, which isn't normally the, the, 
a vibe on this podcast. It's not all. They are. <laughs> they it's are. I mean, defined they, by reason. We, it is perhaps more. It's more us than them, isn't it? Like, why would we? Why do they have to constantly compromise? It's like having an argument with you, Paul. Like, why must I always be the one? <laughs> why must I always be the one to change and agree and acquiesce? <laughs> As if that's ever happened, <laughs> ever. Uh, so you want your Barnier? You <laughs> if you call me worse things. Um, <laughs> do you, like I, yeah. If we were being fair and cool, well, well, there is a there's a, a self fulfilling prophecy, which is uh, again in the express piece, the Downing Street spokeswoman. Uh, you hate that phrase, don't we? Oh no, no you no, like spokes, spokeswoman. It's spokesperson. You can't. St- you can't. I, stand. I have bound. You'll never see the word spokesperson in the Daily Express while there's breath in my body. Um, <laughs> the, f- the 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 quote from the from Downing Street is the fact that the withdrawal agreement has been rejected by Parliament three times and will not pass in its current form. So in the form that Barnier and the rest are saying they're not going to uh, going to change or move on, it, it just won't pass through Parliament. It's that's that's a given. That's an absolute given. So if they don't change, there will be no deal. There can't be anything else. Yeah. What I wanted to ask our guest, she's kind of you know when you set a a table play, a, like a place at a table. For, is it Elijah that they do in the in the Black Forest in Germany? Like that saint? Do you know I what I mean? <laughs> do you know? I don't know. I, well, I know where we're going with this riff, I but go on, carry on. So I'm meaning like we'll pretend that she's here. Because okay. I was going to ask um, a member from, of, the, of the Brexit Party, um, a newly elected MEP for Yorkshire and the Humber, do your Googling. Um, is this, was this worth it? Like, is it going to be like... It, was the withdrawal agreement really that bad that they that we would that they would truly rather we crash out? Sorry, leave of our own volition on the thirty first of October versus yeah. a deal. And I don't know what like I can't figure, I can't divine what their position on it really is because do like Joe? I know you were going to ask this. I'm kind of taking your line, but would the Brexit party really be prepared to own all the kind of calamity that's going to come with no deal Brexit, namely the dead lambs? Do you know what I mean? That was, yeah, a, great, that was a great question. Actually. More of an expert. I wish on you'd the, been here. <laughs> you're more of an expert on the uh, on the withdrawal agreement. On the withdrawal agreement, I um, think I have yet to find someone who has eloquently defeated the withdrawal agreement. Where we had some superb people coming out to fight for it. Um, Henry Newman, um, formerly of Open Europe, who's now gone to work for number t- number yeah. ten in the Brexit planning department. Rory Stewart did a fantastic job, and they were right. What what it did it. It basically it stopped free movement. We left the single market and the customs union. We left the EU, left the, most of the ECJ jurisdiction. We basically left the EU. And as anything but a supporter of democracy, you should have backed the withdrawal agreement just flat because it does deliver on Brexit. We would have left the EU on March 29. So what, why do you think MPs it is so? It's clearly such a tainted document now. Um, why why do you th- why do you think that happened? I, mean, I, I, I know I you've been quite a fan of it as, as, a, as a, you know, the most effective compromise possibly we could have hoped for. But so I, I, I follow a lot of kind of the ERG, so the European uh, Research Group, yeah. and they they basically say the backstop isn't just the problem; it's everything else. So it kind of makes me think they were never comfortable with there being a deal, and all they really wanted at the end of the day was us to leave without a deal. Okay. And then to answer my actual question, which no one About seems to lambs. have done, is who's uh, who's you know <laughs> are they prepared? Are we prepared? Yeah, I the lambs. Follow it. Go through it again. <laughs> Silence. I mean, I know it's started in the Black Forest. <laughs> and I ended up with some dead sheep. With, with Hansel and Gretel or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just invoking some German folklore, okay. which I hear is very popular on podcasts. Uh, no, 
uh, do you think any of these people that are pushing for no deal, which would include people like the Brexit Party, the ERG, hardline Brexiteers, are yes. prepared to own, you know, the, the, we've, you know, it's warning after warning about what no deal means. It will be a lot of dead lambs. It's, char- you know, phone charger for data roaming, which is important for you because I know you like to WhatsApp. Paul, all the time, all the time, <laughs> and your Instagramming, <laughs> if you know what that is. Uh, you know, shortages of medicine. <laughs> shortages. You know, like it's morning after morning. You know, are we prepared to own the fallout of No Deal? In and will that be worth ha- politically? I don't think we've got a choice now, have we? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We, we have to own the fallout of No Deal, and there is. I just don't know how you spin sort of dead lambs on every street. Well, it, well, We've got sovereignty. It, right? That's but exactly how you spin it if how? you don't want a no deal, right? But Save um, the lambs. I'm, I'm old enough to remember all of the scare stories, right? Y2K, the end of the world was going to happen on the on Millennium Eve. And it never happened. And it never happened. We all went to a big party, got drunk, and it was fab, and nothing happened, right? And there, there are, through through politics, um, you know, since time immemorial, vested interests and pressure groups will... will um, make things sound scary. That's their job. Mm. How this actually pans out will be, and because it always is, less dramatic than it is being painted. It's in it's it's the way politics works, the adversarial politics. We make things sound as awful and terrible as possible, and they never are. Yeah. I they mean, rarely they, are. Uh, yeah, like, so the BBC, so Adam Fleming, your colleague out there, Joe, this morning on the BBC was saying how the E would be set to lose 1.2 million jobs if there were no deal. The UK is set yeah, to lose. Can I just... The UK is set no, to... Right. Let me finish. Okay. The UK <laughs> would be set to lose 500,000 jobs. It's a lot of, that's a lot of jobs, well, isn't it? I, I have, 30% of our a, food currently comes from the EU, making certain imports, including salad. Again, oh, not. I don't oh know. I don't Lord, know. But I don't salad. know about. I don't know about protein well, shakes for I you, do? though, <laughs> Paul. Uh, more expensive. Uh, medication less likely to be available. The Royal Pharmaceutical Society warned that uh, they would be they would struggle to obtain common medicines, including painkillers and antidepressants. But again, this is exactly what I was just saying. Warned right, no, right, that no, house no, prices could fall right, by up to thirty percent. We get the point. We get the point. But we get the point. As, that's not as I've as I said <laughs> last week in the Guardian forty years ago when we were joining the EU. Almost certainly the exact same list of scare stories was being presented as what would happen if we joined the EU. Okay. Because so vested interests will do that. That's their point. That's okay. their raison d'etre. And, I, mean, and the, and I, I we've feel gone, like if your vested interest is allowing people in this country to access their painkillers and their antidepressants, I think that's a great vested interest. And if they're saying it's going to be harder to get... But who is um, the I, they I, and where's the evidence? The Royal Pharmaceutical Company. Who are a massive vested interest. Yes, in making sure that you can, you know, when you hurt your ankle, like you did last night, that you can take painkillers. All right, we have to we have to make provision, obviously. Yeah. But the, the you know the, the, they are have a, they have a vested interest in creating that scary scenario. Okay. Simple as that. Okay, cool. We're saying bring it on. Y two K was fine. We could all print well, on the I'm first saying of January. I'm saying we haven't got. Um, there's not an option B. So we have to make sure it works. We but there are hundreds of options, aren't there? We could soften our red lines. We could extend. Well, we, we could if revoke. We could, if we could, we would have done. The point is, we are where we are because there was no, there is no other option. Well, we the red lines we defined. Theresa May defined, didn't she, at the beginning of the Brexit process? So we could soften. Who? What Brexit Who, who's means. the we that we're talking the about? The United Kingdom. No, well, we, the United Kingdom can't because Parliament would have to do it, and well, essentially the government would have to do it, which they won't. But then even even Parliament is so confused and conflicted about this, that, that nobody's going to stand up and do that. Jay, what do you think? Is this completely unsalvageable as both a conversation and a political process? <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a conversation, definitely. <laughs> but look, like, like all political processes, there's always some room for manoeuvre, some salvaging. 
but both sides are definitely playing hard. Thank you for bringing some sanity um, to the uh, to the room, Joe. Well, we, I, I was talking to someone the other day after a meeting of kind of EU diplomats and Brexit negotiators, and they basically kind of resigned themselves to saying, look, no deal is now our working assumption. We're open for you to come back to the table. We're not going to renegotiate. So that's so basically that they're going, well, Boris Johnson hasn't brought an idea to the table, so they don't think he's willing to negotiate either. So no deal it is. Cool. But uh, then one person told me, they were like, well, actually, there's still a case of £39 billion on the table. There is, yeah. yeah. And what happens... So one of them suggested that Tesco's and Waitrose should start diversifying their product list already because the EU are not going to help facilitate any trade for Britain. They're going to make okay. it really bloody difficult. So they need to start sourcing. The road partner. What are they going to start selling in Tesco's? Well, we're going to have to start sourcing buying stuff from more overseas. British land. From, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so, the, yeah. so what, so, yeah. Chicken, what I'm saying is protein shakes, so brown rice, all so off the, the menu. So will be saved then. <laughs> Okay. All right. So we're going to start getting our food from further afield. So that'll cost more. So that's great. That's that's great for hardworking British families, isn't it? More expensive to feed your family. Just what we voted for. Um, I don't know if it'd be more expensive or less expensive, but um, I think we can. I, I, do I think, you, I think from to... an informed place, you could give it a go, couldn't you? I don't know. Uh, a lamb coming from Shropshire seems cheaper than a lamb coming from New Zealand, especially if it's all pre-charred. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> Should we talk about the Queen? Let's talk about Dominic Grieve going stock staring. Crazy on us. I mean, we're all going stock. I would say, you know, we're through the looking glass here. But the the madness deepens by the day. So this kind of working theory that's got everyone very excited this morning is that if we were to go for a no deal, Parliament would potentially have a vote of no confidence in Boris Johnson. And kind of uh, procedure would be that he would then he would then leave number 10 and we would have an election. But there is a suggestion, Dominic Cummings has suggested that he would keep squatting yes, in number I, 10 I, I, you know. and ignore it. And then the Queen would have to intervene. So this is after 67 years of kind of opening garden centres and yeah. wearing kind of block colours. She would have to, she would intervene and would the, what? The two Kick things him here. out? Two things here. Oh, sorry. Do, is it just two like things? It. I'll let you tell me. Do, do, do tell like. me. Boris, Boris having squatters rights seems eminently reasonable to me because I think if I recall, the... Um, the basis of claiming squatters' rights is that the building serves no useful purpose. And I think we can say that number 10 absolutely fulfills that particular criterion at the moment. So squatters' rights are number 10 for sure. Zing! That was but good. The, um, but the second bit is how, cra- how crazy a position are we in that um, a serious grown-up MP is suggesting we bin democracy and bring back a monarchy and presumably cavaliers and associated yeah. court Yeah, you're in trouble. If we bring back a more rigid um, class system, you're really and, in and, trouble. And also, the, 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 you know, the kind of cabal of, of, um, of Remainers, which tend towards the left, have picked as their sort of um, anarchist uh, champ, anti-establishment champion um, Queen Elizabeth II, that well-known rabble rouser. Oh, she was on that. She was on that Sex Pistols cover, wasn't she? <laughs> Maybe it was all more ironic it's, than we it's thought. Just, you can't. Not for your choice. <laughs> I think you're right. The, the the madness of it. It just you couldn't make it up. I mean, the you greatest constitutional crisis of all yeah. time. And then what would she do? I mean, did, would she sort of sack him? Are we are we? <laughs> well, also, Joe. I mean, Joe, yeah. What I don't do know you what you think, think about this, but 
Grieve is assuming that the Queen is uh, a, a, a rem- be alive. Well, well no, <laughs> so Remainer. No, no, she's not. Oh, um, right. It was, a, it but was she, going, she, going yes. back into the history of Brexit. Yeah, it wasn't it Michael Gove who leaked a Privy Council note to someone. Yeah, um, another world who basically said the Queen is a Brexiteer. I'll have to have to Google. Uh, I, I, no, that's <laughs> my, my take. You'd you'd think the Queen of England might be quite keen on her own. Constitutional monarchy, rather than ceding it to the EU. Who knows? No, I you think know. I, no, I, I wouldn't think, like to second guess the I Queen. She, to be fair. No, I, but she's she has remained apolitical for her entire sixty-seven year reign. Yeah, the she? idea so that she's suddenly going to step in it does seem unlikely. It seems a tad unlikely. Yeah, yeah so um, But so then we would have the all equally kind of bizarre crisis of of Boris Johnson, who has there'd be a vote where people would say they had no confidence in him and well, he would still be number 10. Well, there's also this thing, Joe, you might have a bit of clarity here, about this kind of nuts um, as well. party of national unity, which would be some ramshackle kind of collection of, I don't really know who, everyone apart from the yeah. Labour Party, unless it's unless the mood is it in Uranus. Worked, it in worked which very case, well in the by-election <laughs> last week, didn't it? <laughs> it? It did, but I don't know. It just gets mystifying. Yeah, totally. Well, so we are supposed to be demystifying a, it, so we should. Try, we need to try and add some clarity. Joe, Christ. Well, yeah, there, so there was a there was a piece in the Sunday papers um, about the people's vote, essentially putting together a list of a hundred MPs that they would and seats that they would put forward, and they would channel funds in and create blocking like majorities. So the Lib Dems wouldn't run against the Green Party and the SNP, etc. They would basically try and create a body of people with the whole sole purpose of delivering a second referendum. So what, what their working kind of theory is that they would vote Boris down in a vote of no confidence. Yeah. Then they think, um, and I, there's a slight argument around the technicalities of this, that Boris wouldn't be able to constitutionally take Britain out on a no deal. But Geoffrey Cox has argued that no deal just happens. That's a de facto so, position, the, isn't it? Because it just yeah, expires so the people, at midnight. The, the people's vote would think Boris would have to go to Brussels and ask for an extension to facilitate a general election. Then he can campaign on his No Deal manifesto, their campaign on their second referendum manifesto, and they'll see what happens and after it, that. But all in the meantime, we would be operating on WTO rules with the EU. That's where the argument is, because nobody yeah. has clarified whether... Boris Johnson would have to go and ask for an extension right. if there was a general election or if he could just basically do nothing, let the general election happen, let us leave on the 31st of October. I, I think... Um, God, I can't wait. It's going to be a really exciting well, Rebecca end was making of a, a valid point about um, trying to bring some clarity Clarkson. to the table. But I think the thing is, there isn't any clarity because nobody knows. It's all just no, guess, that, guesswork and craziness, mm. isn't it? No, that's, that's very... That's, I think that's a very good point. So... We kind of see people in Brussels are looking over and there were some kind of suggestions in Germany that they're confident that MPs will be able to step in and block a no-deal Brexit. But in truth, nobody yet has come forward with an absolutely cast-iron way of legally blocking a no-deal Brexit. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there isn't... That's kind of becoming more apparent, isn't it, is that it it can very much happen on on Boris's terms that there's not much anyone so we, can we do Gina Miller with... Yvette Cooper whatever they're trying but it's not, it's not even Boris's terms it's the terms that a majority that agreed, of MPs yeah. voted on because yeah. we agreed to trigger article 50 yeah and they've, they've obviously asked Theresa May to go back for an extension she obliged yeah but 
is there an actual legal force to ask Boris Johnson to get an extension if they vote him down in a vote of no confidence? No. We don't know. That is simply nobody knows. Yeah. You can ask any sort of constitutional expert, and I'm yet to see someone Anyone with a definitive answer. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, exciting, so, exciting times. Could we, could we end up in the complete nightmare scenario where we have a no-deal scenario, but a government of like what they laughably called national unity, i.e. people who don't want any sort of deal, be it no deal or they, they want to remain, and people we never voted for. Is that a possibility? I don't know. I think we need one of those excellent flowcharts. No, so it sounds like it would be, we'd, we expire on the 31st of October, there would be a general election, we would be operating what we, we imagine outside of the EU unless Boris had flown to Europe and requested a extension. Then there would be a general election where there'd be this unity coalition that would be campaigning on a second ref versus Boris, who one assumes would be campaigning on the no Brexit platform. And then someone would win. And then we'd either re-enter, we'd have the second referendum or we'd carry on operating on WTO terms. Is that right? Have I understood that correctly? I think... Well, I think we couldn't... We, what is the point of a second referendum if we've already left the EU? Yeah. Well, I guess... It, well, that would that, be... Well, it could be on anything then, couldn't it? It be, would be... We, do we re-enter? Do we try and renegotiate? Do we... Bring back the withdrawal agreement. Or do we do we have do to we reapply like for Azerbaijan or something? Yeah, like that? we'd have to get one of those tickets yeah, like in the Delhi. And we'd, I mean, we'd yeah. be at the back. <laughs> we would. We don't want this situation to happen, do we? So what is clear is the EU have offered us the opportunity if we want to stay, we can stay on the same terms that we have now. So no euro, okay. um, opt outs on kind of integration and further like further union. But if we leave, they're all gone. So if we leave with a no deal, the withdrawal agreement's dead. So that's non-existent anymore. And what we really have to think about is if we rejoin, we'd be looking at joining the euro. We have to close the union. But so we'd basically become a fully-fledged member like France when we currently sit on a slight outer orbit at the moment. Okay. Um, and the chances of this happening, we think, are oh, slim uh, to nil? Absolutely zero, surely. <laughs> You'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we're, that's a complete rabbit hole for another day. Yeah, no, good. <laughs> Next time we get ditched, we get ghosted yeah. by a Brexiteer. Um, <laughs> Can I just mention um, something which has been slightly, I wanted to bring up with our um, with our guest who isn't here. Yeah, but in the spirit of the Black Forest, you but can still address, of, okay. to her, well, address indeed, her like she's indeed. here. Um, I, I can't help but think that it's time for the Brexit party to um, back down. And start. Well, this was going to be one of our big questions. It was going to be what, question, what it, it? yeah, like yeah. what's the strategy for you guys? How long do you see you well, I think after existing? We, we saw in uh, Brecken and Radnor in the by election that uh, the game's changed. It, to me, it's quite gutless to not put up a candidate for what you believe in and sort of back out to let some sort of cabal win the seat. But um, it seems like gutless politics, that to me. But it is what it is. And if you want to fight that, then the Brexit party will split. The, the Tory vote, which, which is kind of what which happened. Is, which is absolutely yeah. what happened. Yeah. And we've seen it in Brecon, we've seen it in Peterborough. Yeah, so indeed. Yeah. Labour and the Dems and the Conservatives and Brexit Party have almost got equal numbers. So and they would have won if it all went to the Conservatives, etc. So. I mean, you would think if they were a principal bunch of people, um, they would th- that they would form some kind of coalition with the Tories or kind of, yeah, like you're saying, like, take a back seat, but considering that they don't even turn up for bloody podcasts that they're booked on <laughs> because through a sense of their own self-importance, I can't imagine yes. that they're going to do that pretty quickly. Not to be trusted. Well, but it, yeah, but something it is, about them suggests that they're not very reliable. But here's, here's the weird but uh, obvious thing. If they don't do that, they will be masters of their own downfall because it will, will mean um, a, a no deal or, you know, it will, Brexit will not happen because uh, they the, the Tories will be 
probably booted out and a new a fresh election mm-hmm. will be called, etc., etc. So they have to, in their own self-interest, if they're serious about it, um, implode, basically, and leave it to Boris, I think. I've always had th- I've always had this argument where how much do you want to be a Brexiteer or a Brexit party MEP or you? So you're, 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 we're on the right track here by saying that surely they should see by now that just delivering Brexit is enough. But how much they want to carry on earning 100, 100 grand a year? Yeah, well, that's another or, thing, isn't it? Or are they actually truly, or or how much they want to be in the public eye? Yeah, because like we all know, Nigel Farage is going to be quite well off afterwards. He's got kind of contacts in America going well yeah, for uh, Richard Tice is a, that's how much they get paid, 100 grand? The, 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 uh, yeah, the MEP. Roughly, See, that's how yeah, things turn you back on, isn't it? Then. No, exactly. So how, a few of the Brexit Party are going to be all right. They're successful businessmen. Yeah. But there are a few who are not. And what are they going to do? They need this time to kind of earn good money and yeah. to be in the public eye and yeah. basically to be formed upon by people. But after Brexit, who are they going to be? I mean, it's, 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 another, a, another it's a pressure group, isn't it? It's a pressure group. It's not a political yes. party. And well, they've got no members. It's well, kind one. of well, exactly. It's not no manifesto, I don't think either. So, um, and it's done its job, really, hasn't it? Do we not agree? Well, it's, they, you, it's put it, Brexit yeah, very, have, very much on the agenda. I think it was always going to be on the agenda, wasn't it? Without the help of Richard Tice. Um, well, thanks to uh, the, the, our favourite spiv, David Cameron, who put the whole thing yeah, on everybody. Yeah, he agenda. put it on everyone's mind, yeah, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would yeah, it would have been interesting to have that conversation at this kind of juncture in sort of a political discourse about what the future of the Brexit party was. It would have been so Indeed. great if Indeed one of their would, members yeah. would have yeah. got out of bed and had the chat. But it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Rebecca's we're not, we're not, not annoyed though at all in the slightest. I'm, so, I'm totally chill about no, it. I'm channeling my good. inner sort of Black good. Forest yeah, yeah. chill sainthood. <laughs> and it's cool, you come in if you want. We're only one of the only organs on Fleet Street that have been backing your cause for 30 years. <laughs> well, but it's cool, it's fine. Yeah, indeed. Um, Shall we do a bit of EU bashing, actually, now we've bashed the Brexit party completely in an off, in an off message rant? Um, angry, angry about everyone, obviously. Yeah, I'm at, at the minute, today. yeah. Um, are you aware, Paul and Joe, yes. of this exceptional new project that's recently been um, released by the EU? It's the EU Africa Cookbook, uh, which is a selection of national recipes across the continent of Africa cooked by various EU member ambassadors. It, it, it beggars belief. I mean, Joe, you're our man on the ground. Why are we doing cookbook? What, when did they diffuse from kind of EU army into EU publishing? When did that become a thing that they do? <laughs> uh, and then can we, probably, and we're also going lots. to examine the execution of said cookbook because it does feel a little bit like a Rudyard Kipling novel, a.k.a. a little colonial, <laughs> what I'm going to say. Joe, over to um, you. So it's part of the External Action Service, which is the EU's kind of foreign policy arm. Um, they have a partnership with the African Union, which is basically the equivalent, slightly smaller version of the EU, but on the continent of Africa. And as part of their kind of diplomatic efforts to link the two continents more closely, they put together a cookbook. And I'm reading the first few pages. Oh my um, God. You have a recipe from Algeria, from Angola, from Austria, and it's cooked by Johannes Hahn, who is the uh, European Commissioner for the European Neighbourhood Policy and Enlargement Negotiations. Uh, it's just so um, fantastically patronising. Yeah, super, pa- super patronising. I don't understand where in their remit this comes from. And then I also uh, think if you're going to do something incredible like celebrating the cuisine of the, Afri- the African continent, let's get some Africans in it, please. <laughs> it, it, it's another example of the, how the EU just shoots get themselves in the foot. Let's put, let's put some money towards 
there's so many incredible, almost in, anything. anything else there's so many incredible yeah. programs yeah, across totally. that yeah. continent yeah. or hours that could have done with that money yeah. but no yeah. just felt indulgent yeah. well, i'm going to try i'm going to try a recipe though we might we might have to do a gonzo piece oh, well, we could, yeah. <laughs> no i think you should do that um we can we can we can do a, a we'll, we'll need to your video team rebecca yeah like dinner we'll dates create recreating cau <laughs> <EU> recipes <laughs> come come down with come me down in an eu me. african oh my gosh can away. <laughs> This is the niche programming, though, that wins don't, podcast right, awards. So, Joe, don't say that too loudly, because if anyone overhears you, you can guarantee the EU, there'll be a meeting this afternoon somewhere yeah. in the EU saying, I've had this great idea, I'd have to spend some more money. That is true. Oh, gosh, I wish I had this much money to spend. Um, Joe, have you got any final thoughts before we wrap up this entirely comprehensive episode? I'm going to say, calm down. Until the end of August. Oh. No, to everyone. Everyone. <laughs> go, go, on, go on your summer holidays because Brussels is a ghost town. Yeah. I'm okay. sure they are going to think, I keep on mentioning it, the G7 is going to be the next flashpoint at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And then September, strap yourself in because I think we're going to be in for quite a ride. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's not where you're going, it's who's taking you there. Isn't that right, Paul Baldwin? <laughs> always, <laughs> Rebecca, always. <laughs> Paul, any final thoughts from you? No, I'm kind of with, uh, kind of with Joe. I mean, um, it's it's already started to feel a little bit silly season and quiet, but I mean, could it get any sillier than it's been for the last? <laughs> I do not know. But yeah. um, no, I mean, it, you, it's just so bizarre that you can't even try to second guess what might be around the corner. No, you know? which isn't which isn't a great place to be, is it? Not necessarily. No, no. I don't think so. Guys, it's been an honour and a privilege. Thank you, firstly, for turning up. Always, always. Not always, but okay. It's a a quality that I really appreciate. And we will reconvene this time next week with or without a guest. Okay. Bye, guys. Oh, we didn't get sex into the thing. No, we didn't. (gasps) You just did. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, did you hear that we were saying that when we we talk about kind of the the relationship between Brexit and sex, the the listeners go up? (laughs) It goes up. Yeah, well, so I can poles, put yeah. I can put it in the description now at least. A sort of right. um, we could do I'll write a line for an next interjection week. from Sex Paul. It. Brexit yeah. is making politics sexy again. There we go. <laughs> oh, Joe, what would we do without you? Um, well, guys, like I said, it's been a privilege, and we'll reconvene. Come high or hell or high water. Okay. Ta-ra, ta-ra. Bye. Thank you for listening to Brexit: The Final Countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review.